And I felt so inexperienced, right? These people, you know, English is their first language. Sometimes I even struggle. What I what it helps me, I think, is the attitude that I have and the energy. But some somehow I struggle in terms of comparing myself to other people. I think that was a story I was telling myself that it wasn't good enough. Welcome to Decision Point, a podcast about overcoming adversity in sales and the growth that we experience in the process. I'm Brad Siemens. All right, I think you guys are going to be excited today to learn about Luis Calisto. He moved from Mexico. I spent a little time in the UK and will eventually move there. And during his time of travels, he will uh, he'll get it. He'll take a couple BDR jobs and he'll eventually find himself at GitLab. I think you guys are going to be super excited uh, to learn, learn about his story. So, without further ado, let's go. So, Luis, I'm excited to have you on this afternoon. Thanks for having me, Brett. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, so why don't we start off? Tell me a little bit about how you got into sales. But first off, we'll get to that in a second. Tell me about how you got from Mexico to the UK. So, right after I finished high school, I I decided that I you know I wanted to travel a little bit. I didn't know for how long, and I. I did, you know, some odd jobs in Mexico, just trying to get some money for a ticket because, you know, plane tickets are expensive, especially if you're earning pesos. And so I got, I would like to say a one-way ticket, but that's not possible. You need to have the ticket to come back. But that was the idea was to just miss the the, the, the actual um, plane just to be able to come back and just stay there. And that's what we did. I traveled with my best friend and the plan was to backpack around London Northern Europe, and then go to Italy and Spain, then come back. But then we decided to stay in London for six months and backpack around Europe for another six. And then eventually went back to Mexico and then came back to finally study here. Now, so it what was, year is this? What year this are you traveling? 2010 is when okay. I, I first came to UK. Awesome. So you guys travel and then you, then you stayed there for six months. So after that, you come back to Mexico? Yes, I decided, I decided to go back to Mexico and then I wasn't sure I wanted to study. I was, you know, I wanted to I went to travel. I was about 20 years old and I was like, you know, I just want to travel. But then at one point I started wondering, maybe I should start, um, you know, to get into uni. And, and you get into a very weird point in which you want to, you know, keep on traveling. But you will realize that after 30, 40, if you don't have a career, then, you know, what's the point? Um, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go back. I Googled, you know, best unis to, to be in. One, you know, one is in the UK, the London School of Economics. So I decided to come back. So you come back. What do you decide you're going to study? So I liked history. And so I knew I liked sales, you know, even before that, because I helped my dad um, selling fire extinguishers or like fire protection um, equipment for many businesses in Mexico. So I knew I liked that, but I was like, you know, there isn't a school to study sales. <laughs> so I'm going to study something that I really like that's in a more academic level, which was um, politics and history. And um, and that and for that reason, I decided to study international relations because it involved uh, economics, politics, history. And, you know, you get to study across political system and economic system. So I was like, and that if that doesn't work, I can just kind of keep doing sales. But I have a, a paper to show for it, right? A paper to show that I'm educated and that, that will be okay. 
So once you once you go through, so how do you get in? So you knew you liked sales. You were selling fire extinguishers with your dad. Um, what's the first sales job? So the first sales job was I was well even before in Mexico I was doing some um, service and you know we had to convince people to stop and and answer a couple of questions on um, battery for cars right and. And it was a very hard thing to do because it was hot and it was wet. That was like the first out of, um, you know, experience out in the wild. When I came to the UK, I was working in hospitality for about four years and I was upselling there, but that wasn't probably a sales job. And I was like, you know what? I feel like I like technology and I like, I'm a people's person. So I think I'm going to, I'm just going to go for it. So I interned for, for some companies um, doing like research and I didn't like that. So I decided to actually apply. You, you to did not like that. You did not like the research. No, 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 no. I was, um, I was like, you know, I, I was working for, for a company doing some research, but not talking to anyone. And many, and many people love that. You know, they're like, I don't want to talk to anyone. It's like, I'm the opposite of that. I like, you know, talking to people and, and, you know, see, obviously you're going to, you know, make some mistakes, but I'm just going to, I'm going to make sure that works for me. And that I decided to apply for, um, or to work as a as a as a BDR as a business development rep that I've never done, so I had to convince the company to give it to give me a shot because otherwise they're like, okay, you work in hospitality, you have some experience in like the corporate environment, but so what? And I was like, just try me, give me a chance, and you know, six months, obviously the probation period as well. But and that's what I felt that when you are looking for work, regardless of your career, you're selling yourself. So everyone is in sales whether you know it or not. And and many people ask me, okay, it's, you're from Mexico, so you're an expat. How did you get into sales? So like, well, to be honest, you need to get out there. You need to talk to people. Yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable. But once you get past that threshold, you're going to meet people and then you're going to start creating connections. So that's how I got my first gig in a company that sells uh, marketing software. Okay, and what, what company was that? That was a, That's a company called Stampede. Stampede. Okay. So you guys were selling marketing, you're selling marketing software. You talk these guys into giving you, giving you a job, uh, rolling the dice, uh, <laughs> letting you, letting you in on the, uh, the, the ground floor. So tell me, so tell me about that. How did that, what was that experience like? How'd you do, where'd you fit at on your team? So it was, this, it, was it is a small company. There were only, um, five BDRs, one sales manager, and then they hired another five. So I was within those five, but they turned me down once because I was like, you know, you don't have any experience, Luis. And I was like, yeah, but um, okay, don't worry. I'm going to, I'm going to go back. So that's when I did my internships. And then when I apply again, I didn't even have to do the interview. Right. I was like, okay, give me a shot and we'll see how it goes. So when I joined, now, were, the they, were they uh, pushing back on you? Did they not want to roll the, did they not want to roll the dice? <laughs> they didn't want to. No, they didn't it wasn't that easy. Dice. No, because they felt um, I I wasn't ready. Obviously, they didn't say that, but that I think they implied it. And I felt I needed to come back and show them that you know, just give me a go, just just give me a go, and we'll see how this pans out. So when I joined the company, 
I was within those five, and I felt so inexperienced, right? These people, you know, English is their first language. Sometimes I even struggle. What I what it helps me, I think, is the attitude that I have and the energy. But some somehow I struggle in terms of comparing myself to other people because you know they speak English, and uh, they, you no, know at this point, you, you, uh, so you're formulating sentences pretty well on uh, today on the podcast. So where are you? Uh, you're kind of early in your sales career. You're you're out of college. How good's your English, and what are you doing to improve it every day? No, I think I think it was it was fine, but I think that was a story I was telling myself that it wasn't good enough. And that yeah, there was just something. It was a story you were telling yourself. Exactly. So it wasn't. So you were something. having to overcome this reel that you were playing. In and your then. Mind. Uh, Exactly. And they, all these people, some of them have sex sales experience and they, you know, they were like even telling us how to do it. Like when you call people, blah, blah, blah. And they were, they were telling us and I was like, oh man, I really need to take notes. And I, and I exactly did. So I took a piece of paper and I started to put, put together like a note, like, a, um, like a cheat sheet for myself. Right. And I was like, how to make a proper um, call call how to research businesses, what is, the, what is the minimum criteria. But what really helped me is that the company, because it was uh, we used to sell to um, hospitality businesses, it was mainly focused on cold calling. I couldn't escape that. So what I did was I used to have one of the set of headsets as well, and I used to just put that away so I can listen to the conversations that the other guys were having. And learn from them. So what did they say? How did they get the demo, the disco, like, you know, the, the next call, what words they use, how much they push back. So I was asking myself these questions. And at some point I was like, okay, I'm going to put this into practice and see how it goes. So from there, where do you go next? So from there, I think I did, I did pretty well, but that was when the pandemic, um, happened and they I was for I was put into the for program and I decided to go and help other companies whether you know selling or just helping them with their customer support and that's what I did for for a company called Hey Summit and I knew the guys already and they were like yep we're pretty swamped here can you help us and I was like more than happy to and I and I helped and I wasn't talking to customers then so it wasn't a properly sales job but I was put in charge to to put together a top of this top of the funnel kind of a plan for them, so they can you know create more revenue and bring more businesses in. So, so I did that for about in, two did months. They have anything? They have anything at all? They had. Um, they have a sales chat. That was it. And one person was manually handling all of that, making sure she only um, handled the the top customers, the ones that were super huge, so no wasting time, the small ones. And I remember she telling me, you know what, can you make sure we create, you create a system? And I was going to start doing that when I got my next opportunity at user testing. I had to leave the company. So when, when you're at user testing, so tell me a little bit about that experience. Of course. Um, so I think, you know, there were um, in the sales team as a BDR, there were another four people in Edinburgh, but there were about 30 in the company because they were in Atlanta, some of them in Atlanta, San Francisco. Um, and then they started growing their APAC um, office. 
And that was only the BDRs, but the sales team was more than, I will say more than 300 people. And for me, I think the, the initial challenges were onboarding remotely. That was the first one. I was like, I've never done that. How am I going to know? How am I going to listen to all these conversations that they're having that I had, you know, they had to okay, take Okay, so previously it. you'd really relied on listening. And now all of a sudden you're kind of in an environment you can't do that? Yeah, I mean, I didn't know how to. But then obviously being a, a big company, this was like I went from a 25 people company that and to... Um, to a hundred people company. And that really helped me understanding some of the, the material they have to onboard people and to run them up. And one of them was they have a platform that allows you to listen to every single um, account executives call. No, actually okay. the conversation that I will have, but that was okay because the account executives in the, in the first call, they will ask the same questions that I'm going to ask anyway. What is the pain point, Right. Um, well, now, are you on a sales development team at user testing? Same role? You're cold calling? Are you handling inbound leads and outbound leads? It was only inbound leads. But only because inbound I've, leads. Okay. I've done outbound experience, I apply the same methodology to um, to, to the, actually the inbound. inbound. And no one was calling, cold calling as much as I was. And I was like, why no one does it? All right, I'm just going to keep doing it. And I and I did it. I hit the phones about over like say seventy dials a day, and I love that because people want to speak to you, especially now during the pandemic, right? They and I, we had we had their their mobile numbers because you know either that down, download a white paper, watch a webinar, or whatnot, and that really helped me to overcome the first challenge, which was how to talk about the product in a way that makes sense for them, and what. What what do we use, right? LinkedIn, email, but the phone was the best thing that could happen to me. Gotcha. Now, what prompted you to move from user testing on to GitLab? So there were several things, but um, the main one is I was I felt like I was ready for 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 my next um, opportunity with a bigger company, and where I could. Um, First of that is it was all remote. So I was looking for that because I like to travel and, you know, fingers crossed if the pandemic restrictions slowly go away, I'm going to be able to do that. Um, but also because I'm, I wanted to keep sharpening the axe, right? I wanted to make sure I keep learning, keep um, meeting more people, keep, keep developing new um, skills for my own um, plans, right? Because I eventually want to have my own company and sales is, is, is an incredible useful skill for anyone that wants to start a company. And that's it. that was the original motivation. So what's the, if, if you were going to share, so our audience um, is a variety of different people. So we have entrepreneurs that listen, we have inside sales reps, we have sales reps. I want to focus today kind of on your inside sales experience. Um, if you're going to talk about your first 30 to 90 days in that role, what are the things that you think are the most important that somebody in that sales role needs to do? You've just taken your new job. You're an, you're an inside sales rep. Maybe you're doing inbound. Maybe you're doing outbound. Um, mm -hmm. Sounds like you've created some lists and some guides uh, previously on how to do things. What's that guide look like that you're going to give to this new rep? Yeah, that's, uh, that's an amazing question. Um, I will do three things. Number one, I will learn about the product right away. What problem does it solve? 
I will learn about persona. I will learn about who do we sell to and what's the state of the industry, what what, what are the actual problems. And the third will be I wouldn't stress because when you stress and want to, okay, I'm onboarding, you know, 30 days, you say 30 to 90 days. I will, I wouldn't. You say no stress, no stress. Don't worry about it because that's going to, you can't stress. Can't stress. stress. So that just take easy. I know it sounds like, oh, you know, I have a responsibility to my employer, but don't panic. And I need to keep reminding myself. That's why it's on the third, third point, because Obviously, you need to be proactive and do the first one, which is learn about the product. The second is learn about persona and state of the industry. But again, the third one is don't stress. Just chill out. It's going to be fine because you, if the company believes in you, they're going to put together a system and that's going to onboard you properly. Obviously, you're not going to leave everything to that, but you're going to try to learn as much as you can. And when you're ready, you're going to hit the ground and go for it. Gotcha. What, what do you? What's the biggest mistake you think salespeople make, or inside salespeople make when they first start? I think the the biggest mistake is to start talking to people too early. That could be also a problem. And the second is not to speak as much. So you know, it's finding that balance. So if I hit the telephone, right? If I call someone trying to sell them something that I don't know about, I'm just gonna going to screw it up. That's okay for, for when you have a solid foundation because you can build on that. But there is a there is a, a point in which if there's enough pain, you're not going to do it anymore, which is a problem that people, that's why they don't call anymore. Right? And I I, I, I like to, to, to tell my, you know, when, when I'm onboarding people, when I help onboarding, I'm like, just call them. But you need to have an idea what the product does and who our persona is for sure. But I think the problem is the biggest mistake is not being able to understand how to have that first conversation. That's why they panic. They stop doing. Gotcha. Well, there's one thing. So so I want to talk to you about, there's a couple of things that I noted as we've been talking kind of through here. And one of the things that I want to talk about is being away from home. Like, what is it like to not have home field advantage, right? You've moved to another country. Sounds like you don't have, a, you know, at some point you don't have a lot of friends here. You're starting from scratch. You're starting a new career. So I want to talk about what it's like to be from working for or being what I would refer to as not having home field advantage. But before we get to that, I want to ask you, I want to hone in on something out of my own curiosity. Mm-hmm. So you talked about uh, your your role at user testing. You're you're on the inbound role. You're taking phone calls. What and you're obviously passing these off to an SDR, right? You're getting it or not, to a to an AE call to comes AE. in. These are coming in through web. They're coming in through webinars. People hit the website. You're probably working the chat, right? Mm-hmm. What's the balance, in your opinion, between having to do the, the, the in, in my experience, there's a lot of friction that some of these SDR teams create by having kind of a junior level rep. And then you're going to get all that information, turn around and pass that off to somebody else. And a lot of times you're collecting some, if you're the buyer, you're collecting a lot of information. And in the buyer's mind, at least in my mind, I'm like, you know, that's all about you, not about me. You're put, you're taking me through the pain funnel because you want to take me through the pain funnel, not because you're listening to what, what I want. And you're trying to fill out all these questions that are good for you, not necessarily pertinent for me. 
what's the balance? What are your thoughts on, you know, how do, how do you get somebody through the inbound call, transfer them to an account rep and do it with the most or the least amount of friction possible? Yeah, happy. And I've been thinking um, about this for some time, ever since I started my role in, um, in user testing. So I think the problem, and let me rephrase that. So in a way, the deck is stacked against us, right? Because people requested a free trial. They did. They have done some research and they just contacted the company, right? The software company or whatnot. And they just want to know something. And some, you know, that's what we're there for. But the problem is our job isn't really to pass that to an account executive. It's make sure we're qualifying them. And the way to qualify and the way to find out we're helping them is by asking a lot of good questions. And I learned, and you know, within my experience at user testing, I learned I was, I was because you know my curiosity, I started to ask solution consultants about how they demo the product. And I learned that so these solution consultants on your team, they were they obviously they don't I don't work with them. The account executive works with them, but they're mm-hmm. my job. My my idea was okay. What happens after the first call and the third call? Obviously, it's stage zero and blah, all the way through close one. But I was like, you know what? Let's wait a second. What happens if I apply the same methodology that you know along the um, sales cycle they they're using? And solution consultants are very good at asking these detailed, crafted questions. And I did that in, you know, imagine you request a trial, right? Or you download and I call you, hey, Brad, they, the bad thing will be for me to tell you, I noticed you downloaded uh, blah, blah, blah. You're obviously interested. Obviously, that isn't a question. And that's where all this, that's where the friction is created that you're referring to. And the, the ideal job will be, you know, people are normally people that done that normally interested, but I might be wrong. Would you mind just telling me a little bit more about what you know, being being in this mindset that you're asking questions to find out what the problem is, and might it might be that we can help you, but we're gonna find that out because my problem would be by creating that friction and be like, oh well, you are interested, let's make a call, and then the kind executive is gonna find out that that was not helpful for anyone. Yeah, I, I know from my, my ex, I feel like there's a lot of friction that's created when people come through and, and I'll just sort of call it out. Uh, they take you through training. They teach you the Sandler pain funnel. And then you come out on your first, you know, you've never sold anything. And now you're out there really asking uh, inauthentic questions. And so uh, somebody calls up and says, you know, you sell hammer. I'm going to use like you sell hammers. And you say, well, why do you want a hammer? Well, because I want to nail something. Like, what? That's a that's not an authentic that's not an authentic question because you know that I'm trying to hit a nail, or you know that I'm trying to hit something because I'm trying to get a hammer, right? Um, and and I think some of that is probably trying to you know buyers are coming into the journey very well educated, right? Like most people are talking to you may actually know more about your product than you know if you've just started. And so I think it's really important. Like I can't, just from my experience, I can't stress uh, the importance of like genuine curiosity and really being interested because there's nothing like getting stuck in a Sandler pain funnel, like right out of the gate and like you don't know each other and, and you're trapped and they're beating you down with the problem and they're not listening. They're just asking you the questions. <laughs> exactly. And the good thing you asked me about being, and you're going to come back to that for sure, but being away from home. So 
at the beginning I was talking too fast, right? I'm like, hey, this is Luis. I'm calling from blah, blah, blah. Would you? And I was like, you know what? First off, if I speak slowly, I might be able to put the sentence together in a way that makes sense. Second, the people are normally pretty nice. They won't hang up. Just take a leap of faith and make yourself, um, you know, put, you know, ask good questions, but talk slowly. So that was one thing that helped me. So I, I was able to turn things around, I believe. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about, let's kind of double click or hone in on the being away from home. What, what were the disadvantages from not being in your hometown and what were the advantages? I think the disadvantages was I didn't have a place to relax, but yet again, I think that is an advantage because for instance, when I was put on, on Forlo, I noticed many people just, you know, they, you know, this is a paid vacation. Let's just relax. And I was like, you know, you never know what's going to happen if, you know, the pandemic goes for, for years. I'm going to be, I'm I'm sure they're going to let me go. So I'm going to start looking for work right now. So for that reason, when I was at, at Hay Summit, I was keep looking for, for opportunities because you never know what's going to happen. So I think it gave me the ability to be super proactive all the time. And on the downside to that is uh, you never feel like super comfortable, like, oh, you know, my parents are here. Worst case scenario, I just go and live with them. I can't do that. I will have to move across the across the Atlantic to be able to do that. But to be able to to be fair, that's something that has worked for me because I think I need those those mechanisms for myself because I could be somehow disorganized, somehow distracted. So the way I see it is a win win for me. Um, all right, what is the biggest? You know, what do you? What would you consider? to be the most adverse situation that you've had to overcome as your role as a salesperson? Probably the, the biggest thing that I had to overcome is it is okay if you leave silence to do the work. So if you ask me a question and I rush to answer you, I'm going to give you a crappy answer. But then if, and this, you know, we're having a conversation and we knew this, but when I call, call you, I need to be able to establish a decent report within the first couple of um, seconds, you know, first 10 seconds, and then I shall just bring the whole thing down and be very casual. And it is okay not to fill the space with words because maybe they're thinking about it and they're going to tell me more than I will have ever imagined they will tell me if I just keep talking like crazy. So I think it is okay to shut up. I think that is that is the the main thing that I had to overcome. I wanted to chip in anytime and ask questions and seem smart. You know, you know what you are, right? And you know what you are worth in a way. There are things there are times in which you need to prove yourself, but you prove yourself through work and through your own performance and that's been that's been a, a thing that I have been thinking about for a long time and I've been trying to implement it when I work. Awesome. Well, let me, so let me ask you this. What's the one thing you are the most passionate about right now? So I'm, I'm very curious in, in learning about, you know, anything. I like history and then I like uh, cultures. I like people. And because people carry their cultures and their learning, I'm naturally interested in them. So if I have a conversation with you, Brad, I will be interested in, okay, what do you do in your free time? And I might be able to uncover things that, you know, are causing pain for you. So I think learning many things that are interested to me, I'm, I'm not just kind of lean on to them. I'm just throw myself at them.
I hope you guys enjoyed that session as much as I did. A couple key takeaways that I got. First one is the importance of being not having home field advantage and what that does and what that forces you to do, which is really forces you to get out of your comfort zone and, and do over plan. So I think that was the big takeaway that I got from Luis. I think the other thing is it's easy to tell yourself, excuse, give yourself excuses, and you got to be really careful of what that talk track is in your mind. It's probably super helpful to write some of those down. I know I get caught, uh, I get caught up in those things as well. And so I think the big takeaway from him is from this conversation was his ability to identify that he had a negative conversation going on and then being able to, whether he did it consciously or, uh, or intentionally or unintentionally, he was able to flip that and make the most of it. So he talks about being from Mexico, being in the UK, um, struggling to speak English, uh, letting that be his identity on why he potentially couldn't do the job well. And he's able to flip that around. So whatever you're dealing with, write those talk track down. Uh, think about how you can overcome it. It's easy to get in your own way and it's easy to come up with excuses. Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast, I've been having several conversations with um, people who are listening to the podcast every week. Uh, it's been really enjoyable to hear uh, how this has been beneficial. Um, if it's been beneficial to you, we'd love reviews on um, Apple Podcast. Um, and if you want to continue to get this great information, go to monsterconnect.com forward slash podcast. And as always, don't let what you can't do interfere with what you can. Until next time.